This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, we want to welcome you guys back to another episode of Not Another Church Podcast brought to you by North Glencoe Baptist Church. And still, uh, we're still Tomless, I guess, if we can say that. Not Chris Tomlin, but we are Tomless <laughs> uh, still this week. It's Pastor Tom, st- Pastor Tom still recovers from his heart attack and working through some of those things. And he's going, I know he's moving on to some cardiac rehab and stuff. So we're still praying and wishing him the best. Uh, so you still, you still got Matt and Donna and Brian this week. And so we're going to go through and make sure you guys, again, know that where we're at, kind of what our roles are, because otherwise it's just three people who are up here and you have no idea what we say or what we're yes. doing yes. or what we do. But again, I'm Matt Aldridge and I'm the student pastor here at North Glencoe and we've got Donna Huff. Hey guys, my name is Donna and um, I am the women's and children's minister here at North Glencoe Baptist. And to my right, sitting here today with us is Brian Goble. Hi. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the music media minister here. He is, he is a lot less awkward than what he just sounded. If yeah, you're listening and you know totally. him, you know that he is. The mic is scaring me to death. That's not true. It's not true. It's but, not uh, true at all. but anyways, as we've kind of gone back and forth during all this, in these last few weeks, we've kind of looked at kind of going back and just debriefing what we've taught the last week. And so last week we kind of looked at and zeroed in on forgiveness because that's what Donna, you and the women were, are going through on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and that was, and that's awesome. And I think we kind of looked, we kind of saw two perspectives there in terms of a biblical slash worldview of forgiveness and how that kind of got mixed up. And then we actually versus what biblical forgiveness really is and what it's not. The first week we just introduced those concepts last night. um, We're recording on a Thursday of this week. So last night we had week two lesson. And um, as we went through it last night, we actually took a chart and we broke down the repercussions and the... um, all the nuances of what's the difference between a therapeutic model of forgiveness versus a biblical model of forgiveness. So if you're listening and you want to, you're a woman and want to join us on Wednesday nights, anytime we start at 6 p.m. here at the church and the next several weeks, we'll be going through forgiveness. But Matt, you have been with the youth, you have been doing um, Proverbs. Yeah. So with our students each semester, that's kind of how I work my schedule. And I think I said that the first week we talked about it. Um, I kind of introduced about probably, I think two weeks ago on this, I kind of walked through kind of where we were going with kind of defining what Proverbs is and where it's, where mm-hmm. it's kind of, where it kind of fits in the whole, um, scheme of things. And I think I had a big misconception of what Proverbs was in terms of, it just sounded like these are just like kind of cool phrases or like maybe these are, but some of them are kind of cool. Yeah. And some of them are kind of, are kind of <laughs> sweet, but. Look at the context of it. Again, it's Solomon writing kind of instructions on how to be a king to his son, who would be an heir. And so he's writing those instructions. And then we see throughout Proverbs that there's like this embodiment of wisdom. And if we believe... Which is why we brought Brian in with us this week. <laughs> Brian is going to be the wise one here. The as wise we go one. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and so as we look at, if we believe that all scripture point shows us and helps us get to know who God is and and how we interact with him, then I believe, personally, I, I, I see that that embodiment of wisdom is Jesus. And so as we're seeing kind of that played out, that's kind of the 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 the, the aim that we're taking it with our students is showing that this is wisdom, both practical and on a more spiritual level of getting to know Jesus better, how wisdom is embodied through Jesus. And so the passage we looked at last night, we've kind of taken some of the, the popular Proverbs and looked at. So we looked mm-hmm. at Proverbs chapter 15, 1 through 9. Let me run through that real quick. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversedness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. Usually how I work, kind of structure our stuff with students is I'll read a passage and then kind of walk through it. And then I try to make sure I end on like an applicable challenge as we leave, as we go into our small groups. Like that's the idea I want you to focus on as we move into our small groups. But I kind of swapped it this week because I kind of started at the end of that passage and it worked my way back through. Like I used verse nine because I think, I kind of think that's where, where Solomon's aiming here is I use verse nine as the gauge of all that text. And so in verse nine, again, it essentially is saying, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he, but he who loves righteousness, but lo, but he, he loves him who pursues righteousness. And the first thing I asked our students was, what are you pursuing? Because if you notice in that, there's only two options. It was either wickedness or righteousness. And if we know that righteousness is embodied through Jesus, that Jesus is, Jesus is righteousness, Jesus is perfect, Jesus is holy, set apart, are you pursuing righteousness? Are you pursuing a relationship with Jesus? Or are you pursuing wickedness? And what falls under wickedness is anything that's not Jesus. Now, may not th- and, and which is, and, you're, and, and students are like, oh, well, that kind of, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm not like doing drugs or like doing anything crazy, but like, you may not be, okay, and that's so awesome. so we did an exercise with the women last night. All of us did this where we talked about what is evil, because we actually hit a point in that when we're talking about forgiveness, because you're forgiving an evil act or, you know, as we're going through that, I, and I, we started naming off evil. And the more we went, the further you dig in, the more you look at it and you realize how much around us, how much in us comes out as evil when it's something that is not righteous, not lining up with God's holy justice. Yeah. And so there's those two options that are presented. And so that's kind of what we went through, talked about. And I think, again, that's, we've got to understand that. And we've got to understand what am I pursuing? Like, what am I chasing after? What is my end game here? And so, again, there's just the two options, which is kind of hard that I wanted to make sure our students understood was that there's only two options. And for us to understand that is is kind of difficult to understand because it feels like, well, I'm doing good stuff. Sort and so of. constantly, well, yeah, <laughs> yes, well, I'm, sort okay, of. Let, me, let me rephrase. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing as bad as they are. It's oh, usually maybe how that looks like. Yeah, when I'm comparing to others yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of comparing myself to Jesus. And yeah. so the overarching thing of that was also because I, what I, how I structured it was what we looked like through some other of those verses, verses one through eight, is those kind of set up some evidences of someone who's pursuing righteousness and someone who's pursuing wickedness. And that first one came in, I think, verses one, two, uh, four and seven, uh, and essentially it's saying, "What does your mouth say?" Yeah, the tongue. Like if wow. I check, if I check what comes out of my mouth, that is one of the things that will reveal to myself that God will reveal through my actions and through His Word what my heart is chasing after. Am I pursuing wickedness or am I pursuing righteousness? And what comes out of my mouth reveals the character of my heart. Uh, and so. We, I asked our students that. I said, when you're at school, what are you saying? 
when you're part of the heart that yeah. speaks. When yeah. you're upset, when you're mad at your mom or your dad or whatever, what are you saying? Mm. What now? Don't no. <laughs> <laughs> one of the women in Bible Bible study tells me she's like, now you're meddling, Donna. Now, and yeah, Matt, yeah. I mean, when you hit that, now you're meddling. If well, I'm this, angry, that, this is where I zeroed in. And again, this is true for me. Maybe I don't actually say it. When I type it on my text, what am I saying? When I put it on social media, what am I saying? What is what is coming from my mouth, from my opinion, from my what brain? What am I communicating? What am I communicating? What am I right. saying? Again, notice some of the things that that passage tells us. It says, out of a wise mouth, there's gentleness comes out of a wise mouth. Wisdom comes out of a wise mouth. Healing comes out of a wise mouth. Knowledge comes out of a wise mouth. And doesn't mouth. that smack of the fruit of the Spirit that Absolutely. we see? Absolutely. And yeah. on that same and that same idea of a fruit, and I used this text last night in explaining this, we can't underestimate what we say because Jesus says in Matthew 12, again, in talking about a good tree is represented by good fruit, a bad tree is represented by the bad fruit, and then Jesus points to the Pharisees and says, you brood of vipers. How dare you practice all your good works and you say you're saying good things and saying truth, but you're actually saying terrible things and out of your heart is wickedness. And he says, don't, he said, don't miss this because everything, every word you say will be judged. You will be accountable for every, you will be accountable for every little word that you say. Every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for in the day of judgment. And so what we say matters. Again, and it's kind of like an example of when I may sarcastically or passive aggressively say something, oh, I'm kidding, but you know what? I'm actually not. Yeah. I, and, and I'm guilty of that. I do that a ton. Uh, you know, you know, do I look good today? Well, you know, I wouldn't wear it, but it looks good on you. You know, like that kind of thing. Like, And while that's joking and funny, one of the things, again, that will reveal what I'm pursuing, that will reveal where my heart is at, is what comes out of my mouth. Because again, what comes out of my mouth reveals the character of my heart. All right. So, Brian, since um, Matt and I have been the one kind of over here talking about this, when you think of the words that come out of your heart, the things that God has convicted you about or worked with you on, what for you comes to mind? I don't know. Just kind of what comes to mind for me is I think of like like what Matt was talking about with a with text messaging. I think of these threads that come from the words that we say that we're leaving little little trails like paper trails or breadcrumbs of through life and and you know sometimes we don't even realize kind of I don't know that's kind of a dumb analogy now that I think about it but oh no, it's fine I kind of think that you know we haphazardly do that and then sometimes like we're not trying to find our way back necessarily in that but if we trace back where it, I don't know just omit this part because <laughs> I really don't know what the heck I'm saying right now I've been sitting there thinking about it I've, I've racked my brain so You're hard so we're going to have to edit this part out and I knew we was going to have to do this sorry Faith <laughs> so she put me on Johnny on the spot and I was trying to put my thought together and then she put me Johnny on the spot and I was like that was not a bad analogy it was a horrible analogy it actually yeah. it was I was trying to go there and it okay, was just wait, like, wait, wait, I was okay, thinking so, how to okay, figure okay, it out okay 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 so what you see? I told a, you I'm going to screw this podcast. No, you're up. not. I don't talk ever. So, I like where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> but the analogy you used is you see breadcrumbs, and if you look at that, you're actually right because you can look at our hearts and you can see the little conversations. <laughs> it leads, to the it leads yeah. back to us, and once you get a, you can get a full picture of what's going on with someone. We can see it. Um, uh, you used the word thread just a minute ago, Brian, when you were describing it, and that's really true because you can get on a Twitter you know, feed and follow that thread down through there. And you can see what someone's thinking. You get, you get a full picture of it. Like just this week as we're recording, you know, Burger King did that funny little, a woman belongs in the kitchen 
uh, I don't know how many of y'all saw that. And what they were trying to do, and they went on to explain further in tweets as they went down to get to the clear picture of what they meant. That's tr- uh, true for us today. They they were actually trying to get more women in the kitchen. It was a I thought it was a pretty good PR stunt for them, but they used something divisive to do that. But that's true for us. I mean, you follow the breadcrumbs of our words, of our lives, of our walks, and you will see the whole person. You know, there's, you're going to find, and it's going to lead to a path of where your thoughts have been as you go through that. And I used this last night of, like, as in some of our kids and students may not have heard it, but, like, be careful, little mouth, what be you say. Be careful, little mouth. Be- Careful so little ears. I say what you say. It is creepy, but it, there's but, so much truth in children's saying, little songs. And I'm not like saying that. it's biblical or anything, but I'm saying it's real because. I, and I told this story. So I was prob- I was really young in ministry. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be yes, careful, little mouths, what you and, speak. And be careful, use, little feet, where you go. We, we, all of that's very of, biblical. And those are some other questions <laughs> you know? that we talk about here in a second yeah. with our students. But one of the things in terms of like what I, where my heart was at in a situation and and how I and how it was on the wrong side of things with with what I was saying. Uh, so I was, it was really early in my ministry and I was at, uh, it was the first church ever served at as, as me on my own. I interned at a church before, but it was the first church ever served at on my own. And I was caught up in, and not because it was by accident, by my choice and my choice only in just straight up gossip. And I would say I was listening to things that I had no idea. And how quickly whether, and easily oh, that happens. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, I got caught up in something. I had no idea whether this thing was true. Someone else had some, someone else had told someone else and someone else had told me. And so I told this person what I, what someone and someone and someone had told me. Uh, and it was a very heavy accusation. It was, you know, it was between people. Uh, it, it was honestly saying that this person was having an affair with another person. So it's very serious. And it was very it's serious. It's significant and to families, is, and, and to again, children, to... And so the person I told, they were having some questions about what was going on with one of the people that I said was having an affair. They just said, like, hey, what's up with this this guy or this girl? And I said, well, you know, this is what I've heard before. You know, yada, yada. But I just heard that. And uh, and in my sin, I'm like, I, mean, I just said it and, you know, whatever. When about three days later, the guy that I said it about calls me. He says, hey, did you say this? Oh. And I said, crap. <laughs> and he, and don't get me wrong. I mean, like, I mean, don't mean, like, get me wrong because I was wrong. I'm 19 years old or maybe 20, but I'm like 19 years old. This is a 40 something year old man that I said something about. I am extremely immature. I am all up in sin and gossip and these kind of things. And I'm on staff at a church. I mean, like, I am in so much wrong here. Um, and uh, and he said, You're wading in deep, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and he said, and we've all been there and done that yeah. sort of thing. And so he called and me learned from it. And he said, and he said, Matt, did you say this? And I said, Oh well, this person. And he said, Just 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 answer my question. He said, Did you say this? And I said, Yeah, man, I I did. And I'm and, and I'm I'm sorry. And he said, well, Let me just first for me first and foremost tell you that that's not true. That's not a thing. And we went through that whole process. And let me say, he handled it with so much grace and with well, that's so a good much story on forgiveness. Yeah, I need yeah, to yeah. share. Yeah, with so much mercy, with so much forgiveness. Uh, and he said, No. He said, But you're going to make this right. And I said, I will. I said, I said, Man, I am so sorry. He said, You're going to call the lady that you said that I had an affair with too, because she doesn't she doesn't know anything. But you're going to call her and tell her you said this. And I said, oh. well, I said, Crap, man. Like I, I'm not really. But like I said, you know what? You got it. Absolutely. 
completely. And I apologized and apologized and apologized. And, and you know, when you do that, though, it doesn't matter how many times you apologize. That feeling of guilt because you know oh, that you consciously sucked. did wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it, um, it, it's really tough to have to be in that place to own something to reconcile with the person when you've offended them and hurt them, the guilt that comes from that, and then learning how to forgive yourself and walk that out and understand that in the big picture that I'm a sinner um, saved by grace. And it's another one of those moments that God uses things like that to humble us. And it pulls us back to knowing how desperately we need Him in our lives and how desperately my heart is wicked. Yeah, and in my and in my arrogance and my pride, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, there's not, there's not. I mean, I'm not, I don't do all that much wrong, and like this guy's. Have I heard? Know, that? I, I was trying to tell you a story earlier. We had a little girl that we were um, okay. So back in the children's department, we were teaching on sin, and I'm trying to get them to begin to get the concept of sin. And as we're going through it, this, um, you know, I've got the little kids circled around me. I'm sitting in here. We're talking about sin, and you know, I've got a variety of ages, everything from you know kindergarten up through fifth grade in this this little room, and we're sitting here talking through sin, and this little girl. <laughs> in the room as I'm listing off sin and she is precious. She is an absolutely adorable child and she's just a little blonde headed gorgeous child. She's sitting back there and I'm naming off sins. I'm like, you know, have you disobeyed your parents? Have you not done what they've asked you to do? Have you walked away from them, run off in the store because you wanted a toy or pitched to fit in the store for something? And we're talking about, and, and, and now this was a few minutes discussion, so I won't go through all of it, but we're trying to get this big picture of sin. So I'm looking at this little girl and she's sitting there grinning, you know, the whole time. And every time I name off something, she's just kind of looks down at the floor and does this little shrug of her shoulders and she's shaking her head. No. And she's like, no, no, I've I've not ever done that. You know? (laughs) And so each one that I named, she's like, no, no, I've not ever done that. And I knew her parents. So they had, um, we had talked before about different stories and some of that her parents had shared with me when time and finally I hit the one where I said have you ever had a friend over and you've been unwilling to be generous with your toys and share with someone else the conviction on that child's little face with her little eyes shining up at me all of a sudden it hit her that she might be a sinner too (laughs) and she's about six at the time I don't remember exactly her age but she was really young and it was the it was the funniest little thing that light bulb went on for her now in children's ministry those are those are really great moments because you you begin to get the child to start to think and you begin that they they're processing sin and God and you know the big picture of they need a savior too and but those moments are and that was one of the funniest moments I had adults sitting around back my other leaders who were in there just with me cackling. and they're yeah. I mean it's all they can do I mean I've got somebody just about rolling on the floor in the back <laughs> holding their face trying not to laugh so that they don't break the moment with the children you know as they're serious and listening but I mean I had I can still remember the whole room somebody sitting in the back you know just holding their face red faced laughing because that little girl every time we'd name a sin she'd just be like well no I don't I don't really struggle with anything like that <laughs> So sorry you do, but it goes back to we do know what, and we know that uh, that our own heart, as we grow and develop and mature, and we get the big, big picture of us in comparison to God, and I think for for me, one of those moments, the greatest moment of that for anybody, I think the greatest moment of that is that when you're saved, because you hit that moment where the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, and you get just a... Um, 
a glimpse, an inkling, a tiny bit of what our wickedness is in comparison to God's holiness and his righteousness. And that moment that it hits you and that conviction is there and it just rips you out of your frame when you see that need for a savior in that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we looked at talking about like what we say and, and so then I moved on to, and that was definitely, and to me, like, I think that was when they could just immediately roll up with, and like, they could immediately say, yeah, I do say that. And, and every time I closed each question with, and so what's our response to that? Well, and, and I asked one, I said, so, hey, what, what would you, he's like, well, I just probably like shouldn't cuss as much and like, as much. I should, I should, yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll I shouldn't cut a cuss as much here, yeah. and, and maybe I, he said, I just need to, I just need to talk better. I just need to say better things. I was like, but guess what? You can't, I can't. You can't, I can't do better. And let me tell you. The, but God can take those this, moments, this right? Yeah. And that's what everything was. I said, if you have a, he said, if you, and I said, I said, if you have a problem with your mouth, you really don't have a mouth problem. You really have a heart problem. And so it's not about doing better. It's about turning my heart from wickedness and pursuing righteousness. And if Jesus embodies righteousness, then I now fo- I chase after and follow Jesus and in Christ's likeness rather than just do better. Because every religion ever teaches do better. God does. God has never. God never. Instructs and then you fail us. time and time yeah. again. God yeah. never instructs us to be good moral little robots. That's not the point. God instructs us to be little Christs, to be like Jesus, to follow. Jesus. So an example of that is the one where you shared the story of. Sharing gossip, and God used that to humble you, to teach you a lesson. And I bet you don't repeat things like that. No, now, do I don't. You? I don't. <laughs> I, I de- no, absolutely not. And honestly, I've tried to. People start get, like hinting at those things. If I long to you know, sit around and start, and for some reason, I guess it's always like at family functions. I don't know why it is, yeah. but it always is. <laughs> we start bringing those kind of things up, and I'm just like, hey, you know what? Look at the look at the time, yeah, or like, yeah. you I know, need to go check on something in the oven. Yeah, the dog needs to be watered or something. <laughs> like so something or another. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah. we looked at what you say. And then in verse three of that same passage, it says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So the second question we ask is, what does God see you do? So we ask, so in a way, am I pursuing, am I pursuing wickedness or am I pursuing righteousness? We've asked, what do you say? What does God see you do? And how does that reveal to you? Yeah. How does that reveal to you what you're pursuing? What, how does God see me? Let's just say in public, how does God see me spend my time? How do others see me spend my time? I could be at every other place, and I could do all the stuff, but privately, if I don't spend time with God, and I don't have those moments and those times where I turn my heart to the truth, to the word, to scripture, to prayer, to worship. Like So sometimes I find myself in seasons where I'm in scripture, I'm studying the word, but it's for something that I'm doing, or it's for some sermon I'm prepping, and there's times where I'll go a day or two or weeks or so <laughs> without actually for... Not Non-teaching for, purposes. Not for that's, Pastor yeah, Matt, not for a yeah. podcast, not for anything other than, Matt, you need, your soul needs to be taken care of. It's me and you, Donna. This is God. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I need to speak into your life in a way that you're not turning around and trying to figure out how to best... Um, teach that to other people, whether it's children or women, whatever group I'm teaching, there are moments that I need to have alone with God where he's working on me. Because even if I'm spending all my time pursuing churchy stuff, churchy stuff doesn't get me saved. Churchy stuff doesn't... There's some scripture about that in there. (laughs) Churchy churchy stuff doesn't maintain my relationship with God. His word does. Communicating with him does. And worshiping him 
does. That's how I know Jesus. That's how I follow him, not churchy stuff, not giving, not serving. And that kind of ties into another question that we asked later. But And then also from a sin standpoint, in private, what does God— Be careful little feet uh, yeah. where you go. Where, yeah. where does God see me go? On the weekends, what does God see me do? What do others see me do? Like, I can show up in church on Sunday, but if I acted a hellion on Friday and Saturday, then what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, even those where, you know, privately you say, um, you know, somebody, for me, it's been one of those where I've at moments thought about, and and Tom, I think he's talked about this and used it as a sermon illustration, you know, he can go down to the Gulf Coast where, you know, a few hours from where we live for a vacation, and inevitably he sees somebody. So Mm -hmm. it's a preventive for him, a measure to keep them. But what about when we're private and alone? If if I went out in the middle of the desert, you know, or... um, you know, Las Vegas, you know, wherever I'm going, somewhere out, you know, what am I participating in there? Because I think that's very revealing of our hearts too. When we get to a place where we feel safe out of our comfort zone, where it's not all the people we know. Have you ever looked at what your heart does when you go, like say on vacation? Oh, When I feel feel safe from the Mm -hmm. repercussions of my sin, Mm -hmm. not necessarily safe from my sin, but when I'm safe from the immediate repercussions of my sin from the public eye. So who am I trying to please then? Am I trying to please those who are around me or am I actually looking to the Father and my love for him says no matter where I go. I'm yours, and I belong to you in everything I do. So, Brian, what do you think? In terms of what God sees you do, again, I think it's important to see that, like, what Solomon says to his son, and again, keeping that context in mind, he's like, look, son, realize the Lord sees everything. The Lord is everywhere, which should remind us of, of God's omnipresence, his omniscience, all of those things that he is everywhere, that he is all-knowing. And when we think about that, it's like, okay, well, now you're getting really close to my comfort zone. Like, you're really, you're really stepping on my toes there, God. I don't know how much I like that. Oh, yeah, and and I think it, for me personally, I think it goes back to even a little bit of what we've even talked about with speech when in, in tying this in with the scripture where the Lord is watching everywhere. I think my problem is I word vomit a lot, and you'll probably know that by now, and <laughs> people like to get me really fired up outside of different areas. So what I don't realize is even in those moments where I feel like I'm in private with somebody talking about whatever, Joe Schmo or whatever, or this situation or that situation, I don't realize even in those moments that sometimes that God is watching even in those moments that I feel like just because I'm outside of everybody else's circles or whatever else it might be and I have this person I can vent to or feel like I can vent to or whatever that I'm feeling that day. It may not even be things that I'm actually feeling. It's just in that moment an emotion or something comes across and then the next thing you know what happens. When you've you know. walked away from a conversation and feel bad after walking away from it. Yeah, that yeah. happened where I've participated in something I didn't want to be a part of. Right. And yeah. then even knowing in that moment, for some reason, I don't know, in my head some days it's like I'm in this little force field that maybe God can't even hear me or something. <laughs> you know, like. But then even in those moments, Satan gets in everything like that and and we have to understand just like what you guys were saying with with what you say and what you do god is watching at all times and and if it's not honoring to him and if it's not honoring other people if it's not doing those things we got to run away from it and that's what i know personally in my life that i'm trying to work on and even with this you know the first just these first three scriptures going back and reading those that he does he's got his eyes on both the good and the evil in our lives and just like what y'all were talking about whether that's sneaking away and doing something stupid on the on the side or whatever it is for me my struggle is more of what i guess i 
I, I say. And so that's something I know for myself I'm working on a little better. And it's, it's when you when you hit that place and you start to look at that, whether it's a conversation you've walked away from, whether it's a place you find yourself in later where you're having to repent and mm-hmm. to be reconciled back to a person. Um, it, it's crazy how, you know, God ties all of these things we're all studying and looking at together. You just keep realizing the point where the hard work comes for us um, in the reconciliation when I have to go back to the person that I've hurt or offended and have to deal with them and have to own my sin. And that's one of the things you were talking about with how I say things or when I, you know, what we use word vomit, we use that as a phrase, but it's just saying things that we ultimately have to realize comes from our heart. When you said it, you meant it, even if it's just at the moment and you're angry and you're hurt and then you later you look back at it and you go, so then the Christian maturity process that we're supposed to be um, striving for, that that sanctification process that God is putting us through as we go through life, you know, the, in that dual-sided where I'm striving to be more Christ-like, but at the same time, He's working His way and will in me to, to be more Christ-like. All of that's going on simultaneously. You start to hold your words back. You start to realize when your heart veers in the wrong direction and you go, that's not right. And, and then, all of that is in the pursuit of what we're talking about in Proverbs, that pursuit of wisdom, yes. that yeah. pursuit of yes. righteousness and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's where, and you know, we used the phrase last night, we talked about where the rubber meets the road, the kind of thing that where I actually take what I'm studying on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or during my quiet time, and I have to apply it to my life. It has to change me. Otherwise, yeah. what did you sit here and read it for? Well, I, what was I gaining knowledge, but not going anywhere with Again, it? Again, you know? so many people, as we'll continue <laughs> to see through our, Luke, our, our study in Luke on Sundays, so many people had a knowledge of who Jesus was, but not many people had a relationship with him and not very many people outside of his, you know, those 12 that we see in his, like in those moments where he's being tried and all those things. The, the Sanhedrin knew the works of Jesus. Like they knew that he had done miracles. They mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. that Jesus fulfilled a lot of prophecies that had been spoken. But they didn't believe in who Jesus was, and part of that believing is see, is putting that, that word, putting the putting the word, putting the truth of the gospel, and the truth of, of what is there in Scripture, and when we live that out in our life, that's that's what I when I see God at work through His Word in my life, that's when I believe. Now that may not be how it should work. I should believe beforehand, but like for me, when all that comes together, it's like okay, okay, okay. Now I know what's going on here, and so we've looked at. What we say, mm-hmm. we've we looked. Do. We've looked at where we go. Oh yeah, yeah. The next <laughs> one is is in verse five, and Solomon is saying to his son, he says, "A fool despises his father's instructions, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent." That's- okay, let me throw in here. Okay, <laughs> so I have a fifteen year old. I'm teaching him how to drive. He is he's he's got his learner's permit. When you read that while ago, I thought, oh, I got something I can throw out here. From, <laughs> I'm telling on my youngest child. But as we're and I've, it, it's been with all three of the boys as we've gone through it. You know, we're we're three weeks, maybe four weeks into him learning to drive. So as I'm giving him instruction the other day in the car, in the car as we're driving, and it was nothing big, just you need to stop a little for, you know, further back or you need to have your blinker on here, that kind of thing. And he got a little hostile with me as he's, you know, now a... Um, an experienced driver. We're four weeks, almost four weeks so in. He's, so like he's, he, he's like fully experienced. He knows the whole driving experience now. You know, he's a teenager. He knows it all. But it's just a small example where I had to stop him and be like, you need to stop. Do you realize you just came back at me? I have been driving for 
a lot of years. <laughs> we don't have to give any numbers, but a lot of years. And you've been driving four weeks, and I'm giving you instruction. The reason you have been given a learner's permit is that for one year, I have a designated time as your parent or guardian to spend that time teaching you how to drive. Yeah. So in that time, you actually have to listen to me, whether you like it or not. You know, so we established that. And so when you were reading through that verse a while ago as we were doing the introduction, and I thought, yes, I have a child who needs that verse. And so that question to ask yourself is in those moments out of what it could be anger or hostility or in those moments of emotions, what comes out? How do I feel? How do I, how do, how am I feeling? What's coming out of my heart from an emotional standpoint? Whether, it, again, whether it's where well, you talked about a second ago, in those moments of anger, well, it's still a moment and it still came out of your heart and it came out of your mouth. So mm-hmm. in those moments, how do you feel? How do you react in those situations? And we're zeroing in more on and all of it's a combination of what I say and what I do. How are my emotions controlling me? How do you feel? Because again, oh, what oh. Solomon is, again, context, You're meddling again here. <laughs> contextually speaking, Solomon's talking to his son and telling him, son, this is how you reign as a king. This is how he has wisdom as a king. And so if we're looking as Jesus and God as the author of Scripture, looking at us, okay, how do we how do we become more like Jesus? How do we pursue righteousness and pursue wisdom? And as Jesus embodies wisdom, how do we pursue Jesus? How do I feel? He says, son, don't ever get to the point where you figure, like you think you have it all figured out. Because you, because you, because he says he said you're 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 Do you denying. Think his son was a teenager at that moment. Probably, I really knows, somewhere there. I think he had to be a teenager. He's talking Maybe about those 20s, who, you know? who don't receive the father's instructions well. Yeah. But the, he said, and it's, but those who receive reproof are prudent. But how about those of us who are forty something who still struggle with that? Yeah. Again, at times, I said you know? I was messing with Brian on Sunday. I preached this past Sunday. And I was messing with Brian, and I'm gonna mess with him since he's here. And I'm glad that he's on this one because I can mess with him about it. Brian, you can grin now. We were talking about some of the which, as you work as uh, as you work with the technical stuff on the side of like streaming and audio and stuff in the back at churches. Sometimes it's like it's absolutely inevitable. Something's gonna mess up. Like it's just it's just how it is. And so me and Brian were talking through that. He goes, "Yeah, I messed up." He said, "Yeah, I messed up some stuff." He said, "But you know what? You messed." up too when you first got up there on Sunday morning. He said, your intro, you just kind of stumbled through it for a second. I was like, <laughs> and like, I've just That's come off. He's really not going to let like, me like, leave that I down, just come, I just come off stage not 30 minutes ago and I'm like, hold on, I thought I did pretty stinking good. Hold on for a second. And like, I, I thought I went, great. I thought I went, I thought I did all right. And Brian's like, yeah, you just you kind of stumbled you through stumbled it for a second. That, you give me a hard time, I got to <laughs> dish it back. <laughs> and, and so, he said, yeah, you know, you just really stumbled there at first. So what but you're you, saying but you is recovered. Brian is your daddy and he was giving you some wisdom. I, not- I don't know about that, but what <laughs> no, I am saying. Honestly, it was the whole thing <laughs> that I struggled with. Like, all right, you're going to stab me and we'll stab you back. <laughs> Retaliation, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but honestly, what like... <laughs> Nobody likes being told that you were wrong. No one likes being told that, hey, that wasn't as good as it could have been. And, and now, and but me, that and, pride, that okay, so at the back of all of this whole, this little section, and all, well, quite honestly, most all of this we've discussed, but it's pride. Yeah. And, we and, haven't and, used that word and said that, but we have pride. When I don't want instruction or correction from someone, it's because I think that I've got it. Down path. And, and again, right, I don't want you, you know. to hear me wrong. There is a right way and a wrong way to correct somebody. If you correct somebody, yes, I don't want to. I don't want to deny your instructions. But if you're Gently. a jerk, but if you're a jerk yeah. to me, that's a little bit different. Like that's Brian, that's. I think a, that was directed back at you. To see <laughs> he was not a jerk to me. It was all. It was Listen, all in. in he in he can dish it. I can dish it right back. No, it was all. It was all in fun. Um, 
And honestly, the stuff that happened in the back wasn't his, none of it was his fault. Like it was just stuff that happened. Do you remember the Sunday that I come up here and leaned against the one button that turned off? Yes, I remember it. <laughs> I know, right? I remember it. I had no idea. They have one button that turns off everything, and I leaned up against it. The most. And then service, the thing know? that Donna said to me was, "We that button shouldn't be there. It shouldn't." <laughs> it's like, I agree. You're the one that came in the booth and leaned on stuff. <laughs> none I of just us leaned against so the So there's obviously a right way how to correct somebody how not to do it. And, and, but, and so Solomon is saying that I Solomon said, is doing it. you probably did put something on top of that button. Yeah, that's <laughs> what her, and she just walled off. And I, was I walked like, off. Solomon is, is giving the instructions of father and son and hopefully doing so, as he said with what comes out of his mouth, gentle and calm and full of knowledge and healing and stuff like that. And so within that and in mind. And we see God at work in our heart. Yeah. yeah. And, but nobody, like, so when, so when, so he's saying son, when if somebody comes and advises you about something, if you're his king and, you're, and someone gives you advice, you listen to that and you take you take heed of it. So for me, if so, if I'm teaching or if I'm doing something and someone says, Hey Matt, you could know better, I don't get my rear end on my shoulders and get my feelings hurt. Because if that person's doing so out of love for me, if someone's doing that out of love for me and out of respect for me and wants what's best for me and ultimately wants me to stand up at the pulpit and and say what God says for these people, but if I get in the way of that, like that's not what I want. Or even if it's just if I didn't cut the grass correctly and I don't like it when someone tells me I didn't do something right. So how do you fold your towels? We need yeah, to talk about exactly. that. <laughs> so this, me all day long. That. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the things that that's the, that's the thing that Solomon's saying is another thing is how we react, how we feel in those situations where I don't like something or I'm angry or I'm whatever. How but do I lash all out? all things that we have to go through that we have to, as part of our sanctification, he's given us fellowship with one another. That iron sharpens iron, that idea that we are all here together walking it out. You know, we do each one of those things, um, and it actually makes us better. And that's one of the means of grace that God has given us as we go through life to become more Christ-like when I have others around me who it often begins with the phrase, now Donna, you know, and I always go, hmm. Yeah, you know, I can't tell you how many times somebody has said, now, Donna, and immediately the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the realization that I have to own where I have failed in something. And um, it's just hard. It's easier said than done, It's it, but it is part of the process of growing up and growing in Christ. And it most of the time sucks and it's not easy. Yeah. So, But the last question I asked our students, again, uh, with an overarching question of what are you pursuing? We've asked, what comes out of your mouth? That'll, that will reveal to you what you're pursuing, what okay. you do, how you feel, what your emotions are. And the last one is where do your confidence lie? And we looked at the last, I think it's verse 8 in Proverbs 15, where it says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. And essentially what's that saying, when I asked the question, where does your confidence lie? For them, it could be sports, or it could be a lot of stuff. For us, and I think where I really think Solomon is getting into the context in this context of we're, we're looking at that word sacrifice. So, where do you make sacrifices in the temple? And so, what what Solomon is saying is that you can have a wicked heart, but you can come do all this. The religious te- you exercises could come, you don't could come matter. Do all the temple. You could go do all the temple-y kind of stuff. But Churchy. if your heart is wicked, it's an abomination to God. Again, and so for us, our context today, we can go do all the morally right and churchy things, but if my heart is not one that pursues righteousness, that pursues God, then that makes God angry, and it's an abomination to God, and it's not worth it. It's, not, it's a sacrifice that's for naught if my heart is not in the right place. Again, 
You're meddling. I know. I, they, you know. Well, that's what you know. This is what we're talking about to our students, and so hopefully somebody gets something out of that too. Just because your mom and dad makes you come to church or brings you to church, you still have an accountability. It before does God not. For it yourself. does not matter what my what my don what my giving report is at the end of the year to the church. It does not matter how many hours of service I've logged here. All of that is for not if. You don't have a heart that's pursuing righteousness. If you're doing it for self-gratification, to make yourself feel better, to make yourself feel like you're morally okay, to feel like you've justified, faith is not justified by your works alone. It's not by your works. Works get, works are a symptom of I the faith. I cannot yeah. ever atone. I cannot ever pay the penalty with my own money or my own hours of service or whatever. I cannot do it again. The I I don't have the means to make to pay that kind of payment. I don't have that. Only the blood and the grace of Jesus gives that to us. And so again, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't give. I'm not saying don't serve. After my heart is pursuing that, then after because of my pursuit of Jesus, because of my great love for him, it, will show in it those moves areas. me to yeah. give and to serve and to serve his people at his church. That's different. But if I just do the serving part, I put air quotes there. If I just do the stuff without the source, then I've got I've got it out of order. And then when we hit that word abomination, when I'm reading that in scripture, man, I'll go back and reread that because that word for me just seems to hit and strike at the heart of um, how evil and wicked God views something for me. I don't, I don't, you know, all these things are an abomination before the Lord and you go back and look at it for, and as you were talking through like the doing the churchy things, the religious, the temple things, the, even if I give a sacrifice, it doesn't matter if my heart is not where it should be. Um, I, I have used as an example, many times the, you know, do you remember the attendance chart for Sunday school when you went to church and you had the little colored stars, the little full <laughs> colored stars little, that stick to your finger the wrong no, way or no, you no, try no, to put it on. Like or, a, you know. It was by the church secretary or whatever. Like it was the, the felt boards where you put the little numbers in. Oh, there's that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but the, you know, the attendance, you get that little full, you know, uh, full star and you put it on the end of your finger, you have to lick it to get it to stick. Y'all remember those when yeah, you were little? Yeah. And, and do all of that, you know, none of that matters. Because you've never been in a church other than that old church and this one. Hey, I, I still have my gold stickers. Do you? Really? <laughs> They're up on my wall, my friend. So God's not counting them. You are. I, st- I, I, I think I still have. I think I still have my Cubbies and my Sparkies vest somewhere Did from when I was a kid. I really do think I have both. I of still those. ask oh God every week to get me a star. On I'm just kidding. Brian, if you'll bring it totally back to the children's kidding. area, I can give you stickers. Yes. Well, and this is something else to remember. Again, this is Solomon writing to his son, who's saying, "Son, that the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord." Guess what? If we know the rest of the story of Solomon, Solomon missed this. Solomon missed this. Solomon, who had been given wisdom, who had been given knowledge, who had been given riches, who had been given fame, all these things because he he was pursuing the Lord. Well, eventually he pursued the Lord less and pursued his stuff more. He pursued women and he pursues money and he pursues the riches of all of that. He's telling his son this, but Solomon letters in life misses this. And we know so many pastors. And look and at Rehoboam, his son. Look at yeah. what happened in Rehoboam. He's the one who split the kingdom. Yeah, you know, I mean, Solomon's like we see son. Through other church yeah. leaders of individuals, and it happens with individual leaders, but people always look up to the church leaders as they're like the epi- they're like the epitome of like all of the uh, all, all of the Christianity, I guess, but they're just, I'm just as sinful as you are, if not more. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, but, but we see with church leaders forever of moral breakdowns and things like that. Why? Because we, it's that, it comes down to the question of am I pursuing righteousness or am I pursuing wickedness? 
And again, it, it, like when you're th- even Solomon, again, which again points us to the actual embodiment of wisdom in perfection and righteousness is Jesus, not Solomon, not anybody else. It's Jesus because Solomon misses this. Solomon's telling his son and giving these instructions, and he's saying, son, if you're not honoring God in everything that you do, then everything else you're doing is for naught. And Solomon says this and then misses it years later, mm-hmm. where he focuses on all the stuff and all the wives and everything other. Which goes back to show our desperate need to lean into Christ and to depend on him to change us, to mold us, to grow us, to constantly be using those means of grace that we mentioned earlier, whether it's, you know, it, um, not whether, but when it is Bible study, prayer, quiet time, fellowship with other believers, and then worship in everything we do. And so we wrapped up with our students of asking these questions. And I said, okay, so what's the solution? Because I'm I'm a, I'm a person that I want to fix it like pretty pretty quickly like I want to fix everything pretty quickly. <laughs> We've discussed this lately. Yeah. Yes. Like I just yeah. want I just want to fix it. I want to plan. I want to know what's going on so I that I can work on fixing do, it. Everybody yeah, I think it's, that's it. a guy yeah, thing. That's a guy thing. And so I asked. I said, okay, so if we're trying to to work on and fix this, you're like, okay, well, yeah, I'll just I'll just do better. Like I'll just like I'll just like I won't get mad as much and like I won't I'll say better things and won't cuss as much as I did before. I'm going to use like, all I'll, kinds of self discipline. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to do better. And yeah. again, we, we hammered home as we left, like guys, girls, and for you today, like m- m- sir, ma'am, whatever. Like the object is not to quote unquote do. Better because the first rule of Christianity is knowing that you cannot do better. Like what you have is the best that you have, and it's, so I'm crying and out it's to Christ rags. to say, "Help me do better." Because I'm now turning my heart. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm repenting of all my selfish acts and pursuing righteousness, pursuing Jesus. I'm turning, and that that word pursuit. In Greek, it's like a it's again a physical turning. I thought our students last night. I talked about the what are you pursuing? As a kid, I played wall ball like at our church with this big brick wall. We throw walls at it, and so like I remember like when when I when I had to go touch the wall for, for when playing wall ball, I have to drop everything I'm doing. I got to turn everything in my body to go and sprint and touch that wall. When we have that moment with Jesus, when we have that saving, we come to that saving faith reality. There has to be a turning of and a dropping of everything else in my life that points me to wickedness and everything that points me to Jesus is what I have to follow. And that's a big undertaking. And I and and it's and that's something that I don't do on a daily basis. And I know our it was something our students don't do on a daily basis. If you're you the listener, I know it's something that you don't do on a daily basis, but I wanted to show our students in this text of these are some things that I can constantly check my heart in. And that first question is, am I, do I, am I, have I ever even started to pursue righteousness or am I always pursuing wickedness? That's something else we need to, to, to work from. You're going to stray. You're going to fall back. You're going to slide all of those things. We can always start again and start to pursue Jesus but and focus on him. there has to be him. progress. There's got to be progress. There's yeah. got to be, and there has to be an initial turning point. And those are kind of what we focused on. Um, and so those are some things that we looked at in Proverbs of trying to, of everything in Scripture is pointing to Jesus and how we, how, how, who God is and how we interact with him. Then these are some questions of if I'm pursuing wickedness, if I'm pursuing my sin and myself, or I'm pursuing righteousness, these questions, these things to look at, what do we say? What do we do? How do we feel? Where my confidence lies in? Where I, where I, where I, I, I sow my seeds, per se, where I put all my time? Those things will reveal what my heart is pursuing and what my heart is chasing after. And is that righteousness? Is that Jesus? Or is that myself and my sin? One of, one of them... One of them is 
a lot more difficult, but the reward is so much more has so much more of an impact from an eternity standpoint. One is much more gratifying from an earthly standpoint, but it will leave you for a season. For a season, because because yeah. it will leave you empty and it will leave you on a path to well, a godless eternity. For purpose and meaning in your life. And it's much like C.S. Lewis, you know, he the the one that's often quoted where he talks about that there are two groups of people, those who look to Christ and say, thy will be done, bow the knee to Christ and say, thy will be done, or those to whom God looks at us and says, thy will be done. Yeah. And one of them is the one who's pursuing him and going after righteous, and the other one, he's letting them turn to their own way. So that's kind of, that, was our, that was kind of our student lesson from last night with a little bit more depth and a little bit more adult application in some places there. Uh, but... So that's been this week's episode of Not Another Church Podcast. We're glad you joined us. Uh, if uh, if you got if you want to reach out to us or, or you make sure you tune in with us on live stream each Sunday morning, and if you want to reach out to any of us at the church, you can call our church phone number. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to know more about Proverbs or about forgiveness or about any of the other things that are happening at the church, we'd love to talk to you and connect with you. Uh, go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.